Welcome to a podcast of Wyoming Chronicle, where we tell the stories of Wyoming in a weekly program of interviews with newsmakers, artists, innovative thinkers, and unique Wyoming personalities. To learn more, visit us at wyomingpbs.org. With a new administration in Washington authoring new regulations and policies on almost a daily basis that impact Wyoming's energy industry, we'll ask the question, what is the future of energy in Wyoming? We'll sit down with Randall Luthi, Governor Gordon's chief energy advisor, and we'll talk about coal, oil, gas, wind, solar, and nuclear. It's all things energy on the next Wyoming Chronicle. This program was funded in part by a grant from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food and beverage products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Funding for this program is made possible in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council, helping Wyoming take a closer look at life through the humanities, thinkwhy.org, and by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support. And welcome to this Wyoming Chronicle. I'm Craig Blumenschein from Wyoming PBS. Today it's all things energy, and specifically it's all things energy in Wyoming. We're pleased to be joined by Randall Luthi, Governor Mark Gordon's Chief Energy Advisor. Randall, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here, Craig. So just a little bit about your background. Former mm -hmm. Speaker of the House, you served nearly 10 years of, as President of the National Ocean Industries Association, which had to do with offshore energy policy, as I understand it. You also worked for the Department of the Interior, serving as Director of the Minerals Management Service and Deputy Director of the Department's Fish and Wildlife Service. That's correct. I've been very lucky to have a wide variety of jobs. And, and I know it seems a bit odd for a Wyoming boy to be running, you know, in the offshore world. Uh, but let me assure you, there are a lot stranger things in Washington than that. So. <laughs> energy is energy, regardless of where it's produced. Absolutely. But we're going to talk a lot about that today. And Randall, I want to talk to you about a trip you took this week with Governor Gordon. You went to Washington and you testified um, before the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, talking off camera, you reminded me of course that Wyoming has, is first in gas and second in oil as far as energy produced from federal lands and why that's so important um, to our state. What did you learn? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things, you know, that we thought were very interesting. The Energy and uh, Natural Resources uh, Committee, of course, are vitally interested in this. Uh, what we did learn, and I think what the governor's main take-home message for that group is, you know, we understand a new administration coming in and wanting to do a review of, of their policies, but there was really absolutely no reason to put a moratorium on lease sales. And when we talk about lease sales, let me indicate just how important they are. Again, 48% of Wyoming's surface is federally owned, but just almost 68% of the mineral rights, the mineral subsurface usually, are federally owned. So anytime the federal government decides to put a halt to any portion of that, that's gonna have a direct effect upon Wyoming communities, Wyoming uh, jobs, Wyoming workers, and of course, Wyoming revenue. This has been presented as a moratorium, but others think this might be a permanent ban or lead to a permanent ban. 
Are you sensing that? Are you concerned about that? Um, Absolutely. I mean, will it be permanent? They keep telling us no. Uh, but, you know, it's not the first time we've heard from the federal government that, oh, we can do a study in three or four months and then we'll do a report. Uh, and suddenly you're at six months, then nine months, and then a year. And what does that mean for Wyoming? Again, in terms of lease sales, and I say just lease sales, and what Wyoming gets is about 48% of the bonus bids. And that's what a company pays when they buy a lease. Well, over the last eight years, we've averaged about $35 million, you know, uh, a year on those. Now, last year was an awful year, but it was still, uh, we got about $1.5 million from each quarterly lease sale. So what have we received this year? Zero, because the first two quarter, quarter lease sales have been canceled. So as you look into the future, um, the pressure, regardless of whether Wyoming agrees with the pressure or not, is to become um, less dependent on carbon and oil, gas, and coal um, specifically. What can Wyoming do mm -hmm. anything to stem that tide that doesn't necessarily have its genesis in Wyoming, but it sure does not only in states around us, but across mm -hmm. the country and across the world. When you look at Randall into the future, and as you plan Wyoming's policy for the future relative to oil, gas, and coal, and we'll start there, mm -hmm. how can Wyoming survive? Absolutely, and, and Wyoming will, I think always be an energy state. At least, you know, both you and I have a, a little bit of white hair, but I think sort of the rest of our lives, uh, Wyoming's going to be an energy producing state. And the nation's got to look towards energy, uh, uh, energy that is produced in Wyoming. It might not be the same degree of energy. Uh, you mentioned earlier that, uh, when we were talking before that we're still the number one producer of coal. I mean, even today, we, we talk about thermal coal, and that is the coal that's used in power plants. We're still supplying about 40% of the nation's thermal coal. So what do we look for in the future? Governor Gordon has been so clear on this. Uh, basically, the target is misplaced. Uh, we fear the Biden administration and many other states with their renewable portfolio standards have targeted fossil fuels as opposed to what the issue should be and that would be the release of greenhouse gases, particularly CO2 in the atmosphere. You know, we can still use coal, we can still use fossil fuels, we can still use them in power plants, but we need to be able to bring in the technology to remove that CO2 from the process. Let me ask you about that a little bit um, in more detail, mm -hmm. because certainly the governor's been clear about that, um, your office has been clear about that, that, that coal still is vital. Mm -hmm. Randall, I'm not sure the rest of the country agrees with that. I, I didn't say it would be easy, uh -huh. uh, but we are, we're absolutely resolute that again, uh, what is good about coal? It's reliable, there's a big supply of it. And we saw just last winter, both in Texas and as well as here, that if you have a certain weather event, a long cold snap, a nasty you know, degree of uh, series of storms, reliability on the electric grid becomes an issue. Uh, fossil fuels such as coal, you can stockpile you know, large amounts, uh, it's readily available. And I think a lot of people realize that at this point, and I'll, I'll underscore at this point, purely wind and solar just will not carry the day for 24 hour dispatchable power. So we believe fossil fuels still has a history, but we do have a bit of education to do. Can you give us any insight on decisions that have been made with that notable Texas grid failure mm -hmm. to today? 
on that might kind of have shed a little better light on coal's future in Wyoming? I believe I can. Now, uh, the Texas, uh, I will just call it the Texas event, you know, that's going to be analyzed for a long time. And it's going to, Texas themselves are really looking at it, at what happened, what didn't happen, why they lost a big chunk of renewables, why they also won some of the fossil fuel, per, you know, plants went offline. But I think the overall message, and we took it in Wyoming, is we have to make sure we have a reliable, you know, source of electricity, and it's got to be able to be used 24 hours uh, a day. So you saw the legislature actually took up some of this issue in there, uh, requiring the PSC to make sure that reliability is now part of their deliberations. In many people's eyes, I think that pressure means, yeah, but we're going to have to pay a little more for power. Mm-hmm if we want to rely on, on fossil fuels. Do you see it that way? Uh, you know, it's always a possibility, but you also have been paying more for uh, the new sources of energy as well. Uh, you know, you don't build a, a wind farm, you don't build a solar farm and not have expenses. And if it's a utility company that makes those investments, they're allowed to pass those expenses on to uh, the consumer. Uh, So in the end, the consumer always pays for the energy they receive. And that's one of the issues we want to talk about when we say, well, okay, let's continue to use coal, but it is going to take quite a bit of money. And we want to say federal money is going to be real key to making carbon capture technology workable in Wyoming. So the main focus now is, all right, now how do we burn it and remove the greenhouse gases, primarily CO2 as well. And is that technology going to be developed fast enough to maybe not save the day, but prolong the day? I believe it'll prolong the day. The mm-hmm. technology is there. Uh, Petronova in Texas proven that you can use you know, a, a CO2 capture facilities to reduce CO2. Will the technology improve with every plant that's built? Yes, and that's one of Wyoming's goals. The governor made it very clear. He would like the next carbon capture facility to be built in Wyoming. And then we'll have technology of a new plant, would work with North Dakota, who's also very interested in this issue. Uh, And soon, hopefully, we'll have technology that can be used across the country as well as uh, around the world. Any sense of a timeline that you're willing to talk about relative to that effort? I mean, uh, to some degree. Uh, I don't think you're going to see it before 10 years, but you might actually see uh, uh, some good progress uh, within that 10 years. If I were to you know, make that moonshot type prediction, I would say in 10 years, let's have a carbon capture project up and running. And if we can do it in eight, even better. Wyoming currently is the number three state in total energy production, big energy exporter, of course. Um, eighth in crude oil, ninth in natural gas, one in coal. Let's turn the page to 2031. Our okay. hair will be a little grayer even by then. <laughs> Hopefully we will have hair. That's true. Yes. What's Wyoming's um, influence on the national energy picture going to be then? Have you looked at a decade? Uh, we have. Now, most, uh, uh, <clears throat> most predictions are that fossil fuel is going to maintain a pretty good share within 10 to 15 years. And that's probably a 40% to 50, 55% share. Uh, will coal c- continue that, uh, the current share? I suspect not. I think that it will continue to be reduced down. But again, we've got to tie it into reliability, CO2. If we get those two concepts front and center on coal production, I think coal will actually stabilize. The governor said, I believe, I'm, I'm articulating correctly, that it's, it's an all-encompassing energy policy that does include solar. 
It does include wind. It inc includes oil, gas, coal, hydro, geothermal, um, nuclear. Yep, maybe. don't leave out nuclear. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute, yeah. for sure. That pie is as it is today. What's it going to be like in a decade? That's right. Uh, I suspect coal will continue, as I mentioned, to decrease. I, I do hope we reach an equilibrium there. I just don't know where that is. And believing that we may not have seen that equilibrium yet. I do not believe we mm -hmm. have. Uh, gas will continue to increase. Uh, oil, in terms of heating, you know, has not been a big element for some period of time. So uh, uh, I think at most we deal with 2-1% of oil. So I suspect that that will either stay the same or decrease. Uh, where I expect to see the increase in overall, and again, maybe not strictly its energy, but I think you'll see an increase in uranium. I do believe that there's a greater interest now in small nuclear modules. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of advantages to them in terms of it should take less time to permit. And certainly the waste issue right. should be a, a, a lot lesser degree of concern. And let's, let's talk a little more about that. Of course, Wyoming and Fremont County in particular has some of the great, and Natrona County as well, uranium reserves in the country. Um, Fremont County grew up on uranium. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the, the um, outlook and what is the, um, your administration's um, efforts relative to these small form nuclear reactors. Right. There's been just some discussion in the legislature in the last few sessions about, about it. The infrastructures are at these coal-fired power plants, let's retrofit, has been one idea, as you suggested, and I think it's worth a lot of discussion. The waste issue is not like it was with larger form nuclear um, sites that have been developed in our country. Mm -hmm. Will we see any small form nuclear reactors in Wyoming in the next decade? It's certainly in our policy. Uh, you know, we supported the legislative efforts to at least put together that study on where we're going with small modular nuclear. Uh, I suspect that uh, <clears throat> nationally it will continue to be pushed. Uh, we are very interested in that and seeing that move forward. Um, again, with every form of energy, uh, there will be issues. There will be permitting issues. Uh, uh, again, we mentioned uh, renewables and how important they have been, particularly in this last year. You know, we saw wind projects get completed when nothing else was moving. So that was a source of jobs. And sales tax revenue, and huge sales, source. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, so, and we, we recognize that. Now, the, the thing you also see is those, you know, we talk a lot about, well, how do we get transferred jobs? Uh, you know, from the coal industry, from the fossil, for oil and, and gas. And a tenant of what um, President Biden is suggesting is federal support to do that. Have you talked about it? And what is the applicability in Wyoming? We have. I mean, there's great opportunity. Uh, right now, it's not a one-for-one -one trade. You know, most jobs in the fossil fuel industry, most jobs at a coal mine, uh, very well paying, very stable. You know, you know it's a, a, we have generations of people that have worked at coal mines, you know, from father to daughter, from mother to daughter, and, and on mm -hmm. down to the grandchildren. Um, and so when you do renewable jobs at the moment, right now, it is not a, a complete equal trade. You know, often you've got to move out of that community. Often you take less money for it. And they, uh, one of the things we've noticed, construction jobs, you know, you'll use oh, a crew of 100, 135. That lasts for eight months, maybe a year. And then most one of the advantages, you know, from the utility point of view of, of uh, say a wind farm is that you then go to just maintenance, but that drops that construction crew to about 10 people. 
why should the states be able to choose their own energy portfolio? And they should. Uh, it's just that we believe on if you go on an absolutely even market, uh, I mean, uh, uh, if you if you took away some of the production tax credits, that makes coal look more attractive. Now, I, I have to be careful there because I'm getting myself into where I, you know, I enjoy being consistent where I can. But the reality is, is we're not going to have CO2 capture without the 45Q tax credit as well. Uh, so we have always taken the, the uh, position, all right, if we're going to move ahead with production tax credits for wind, solar, let's also move ahead for the, with the 45Q, making sure that that's readily available as well. Can policy shifts our initiatives from your office and the governor's office, Randall, um, help oil and gas companies as they need to become successful in this less carbon dependent future that appears to be the writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that this office does or can do for oil and gas to assist them in their future? I believe there really is. And mm -hmm. I think a, a, an example of this, uh, it might not exactly be point on to your question, uh, but again, last year, 2020, I think everybody wants to pretty much forget 2020, but uh, uh, you know, we, had, we lost about 6,000 oil and gas jobs in 2020. Uh, the road to recovery there is, is slow, but it's getting better. And uh, I, I think what makes the difference there is the overall price of oil you know, on a worldwide market. But we've still only gained about 200 of those jobs. But one of the things that did come in handy uh, was the energy rebound program that the governor put together last year. And what it did was allow CARES money to be used for recompletion of wells and plugging and abandonment of wells uh, and that really made a shot in the arm difference for the oil and gas industry. So those kind of policies can help when times are tough. And it also changes, you know, our focus somewhat. You know, they'll, we always want to be developing oil and gas. But if we can make sure that the back end of that ha also has a healthy industry associated with it, that also is a good number of jobs. Um, industry uh, predicted that the energy rebound program probably produced close to 5,000 jobs at the end of last year. And is that money still being spent today or did that had that been spent by the end of the calendar it year? It has been. Nearly all of it was spent by the end of the calendar year. The legislature did allow an extension of all those projects or all those projects we had going through CARES money. So I think you'll see a little bit of uh, uh, winding up on that as well. Why is it today that wind turbines aren't manufactured in Wyoming? Well, they will tell you that they'd rather manufacture them somewhere else. Is it a workforce issue? You know, if it is, I would. I, I don't really buy that. Uh, you know, most people will follow jobs. And again, if you're really starting to transfer some of these mining jobs, coal mining jobs, there's a workforce right there. They're already highly skilled. It might not be the exact skill you need, but you can bet with the minimal of training, it will work. Is there anything that you've come to learn about the American Rescue Plan Act that will, in a positive or a negative way, I guess, impact Wyoming's energy future? Yes, I believe we will be able to use some of those monies on infrastructure. Uh, the scary part of the whole act, uh, as you know, coming from Wyoming's a very fiscally conservative state, is just the degree of money that's 
available and out there. Uh, I think, uh, you know, most people don't really think it through. What does this mean? How do you pay for it? That's the biggest concern, how you pay for it. But, you know, uh, we are going to put together a list of projects we think will work on the infrastructure side. Um, the legislature, uh, you know, put aside $10 million for possible match money for carbon sequestration and carbon capture. Uh, that could be used as a match with DOE, could be used as a match with uh, private companies. Um, so there will be, uh, uh, and we're still just working on some of that because we don't have the guidance yet from the Department of Treasury on how those monies can be used. Likely will come available in May. Uh, that's what I understand as well. So we May hope should be- not delayed as well. That's right. Now, May starts tomorrow, but I suspect it will be, hopefully it will be the first half of May when we get that guidance. Randall, have you noticed anything from other states that have either given you pause or maybe even cause for excitement that Wyoming, you know what, Louisiana or Alaska or some other carbon producing state that we, we can take from and learn from and, and utilize and work to our advantage? I believe so. Now, again, we're Wyoming's well, slightly different than a lot of states because, again, so much of our energy is carbon-based, and we suspect it's going to be for the future. But uh, Alaska is very similar. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've enjoyed reading about Alaska, <clears throat> as more and more companies complain about investing in fossil fuels, Alaska and their, uh, what I would call their giant permanent mineral trust fund, is pushing back saying, all right, that means you're not going to manage this investment. You know, are you going to, are you going to take off the table a $10 billion investment that you could do as a company? And I think Wyoming could do that as well and start using that, that if companies are serious about really divesting out of fossil fuels, there's going to be a price to pay if you want to manage what we have a sizable income. Wyoming has some levers there. Absolutely. Louisiana, maybe something that helps from that offshore experience. There you go. Is how Louisiana works with the federal government on uh, sharing of revenues. Now, Wyoming already has about 40, gets 48% of those, but Louisiana has been particularly vocal in trying to increase their ability to share those revenues. And Louisiana and Wyoming uh, at this time are joined at the hip in this uh, uh, controversy over the moratorium. Uh, they're in the same boat we are. You know, uh, companies can't move forward if they don't have a continual supply of leases. Uh, so it's been a joy, uh, somewhat of a joy, uh, seeing that Louisiana and other states are very similar to Wyoming. One place where that doesn't apply, though, Randall, is with tribal leases. Tribals are exempt from the leasing ban that Wyoming is feeling the effects from. What does that mean to the state's energy policy? Yep. So, well, right now there isn't a lot of oil and gas uh, development on tribal lands. Uh, I have to say, I believe, you know, since tribes are sovereign, so basically their own nation, uh, that they're able to move forward upon their own policies. So I do hope that that does help Indian country to move forward on oil and gas. But it also shows that I don't believe the Biden administration, that that main concern then was climate because how do you be so inconsistent? So it becomes more of we want to control federal lands and, and where the moratorium has been most hurtful are to Western states. And it's because the Western states have far more federal land within their borders. I mean, private land, people are, you're going to see shift, even New Mexico. 
Uh, one of the converse, early conversations the governor had with uh, Governor Lujan Grissom of, of New Mexico was her concern that she was already seeing oil companies shift to Texas because of, uh, they were going from federal land to private land. So again, it doesn't appear that the real concern is climate, even though that is the concern that is given to us. Has this upped the administration's focus, your administration's focus, Governor Gordon's administration's focus, on the need to have state management over these federal lands? Well, I think the better cooperation, that's always, that's kind of a tricky road to go down is full transfer of state lands or federal lands to the state. Uh, you know, Wyoming has tried that several times over the years. It has never been successful. Uh, so in the short term, what we really want is a good neighbor. And the federal government has proven to be a good neighbor, and it's also proven to be the most god-awful neighbor you can have. Uh, so we're going to focus on the positive that we can be good neighbors. A couple other energy sectors that I want to um, talk about. Um, Wyoming has several hydroelectric dams, um, most controlled by the federal government, as mm -hmm. I understand it. Um, and it's any um, future there in expanding hydroelectric power generation in the state? Certainly should be. I mean, again, to me, that's the de a great definition of renewable energy. So yes, uh, as we look at infrastructure projects, you mentioned the ARP mm -hmm. money that might mm -hmm. be available. We want to see if that doesn't mean uh, another dam or two in our future. Legislature had some discussion in this last session about geothermal opportunities mm -hmm. and what it might mean to Wyoming's um, energy producing future. What might it mean? Sure, and, and why not? Why would we want to take any energy source off the table right now? What it does need is a bit of study. I mean, we always think about geothermal and we normally think of Yellowstone, sure. right? And you know you're not going to be pumping into the geothermal structures of, of Yellowstone Park. That's just not going to happen. But there are other places in Wyoming where the temperature, uh, you know, hot enough to make water boil or steam, isn't that far down. Uh, so uh, you, I think we will see more research into what, how can that be used? You know, you have a water source, you pump it down, it gets hot, it comes back up, turns turbines, and becomes somewhat of a closed loop. So that's certainly a possibility. Randall, I'm sure we'll be talking about energy for years to come, but thank you so much for joining us. I hope we are talking about energy for years to come. Thank you, Craig. This program was funded in part by a grant from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food and beverage products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Funding for this program is made possible in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council, helping Wyoming take a closer look at life through the humanities, thinkwhy.org, and by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support.